Good afternoon, everyone, and a warm welcome to our latest and very special episode of QuickBooks Labs. QuickBooks Labs are fortnightly podcasts designed to be the place to learn all about the world of QuickBooks and other accounting software. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Patrick, a chartered accountant and owner of an accounting firm called Boffix, QB certified UK trainer, and that QuickBooks chat on YouTube. And join with me is, as always, my co-host, the one and only Ash. How are you doing, Ash? Fantastic, thanks, Aaron. Yes, so my name is Ash Beetson, uh, also QuickBooks uh, trainer in the UK. Uh, used to be involved in doing lots of accounting type stuff. Now more into the uh, the app area, sort of behind uh, NetTracker fixed asset app. So, uh, Aaron, um, how does this all work? Very good question. So, okay. Um, well, first of all, we are live to the nation at a regular time of 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. May not be that time this time, next time, next fortnight, but more on that later. Um, so normally you can come and join us on a fortnightly schedule around about the 4 p.m., normally on a Tuesday. If not, though, and if you're listening to this back at a later time, then why not think about joining us live? Why would you want to talk? join us live, I hear you ask? Well, that gives you the opportunity to ask us any questions. So you can ask us questions in the question box on the right-hand side, and we then will go ahead and um, answer them accordingly. Furthermore, we're now live on podcasts and services around the globe, so feel free to subscribe on the podcast service of your choice. Ash, what's the agenda for today's show? Well, Aaron, I think you've got some hot news for us, um, and I can't wait uh, for that to be spread, um, <laughs> as I say. Um, then we've got a little tip of the week that we'll have to take a look at. I was hoping to have a, a guest with us today, um, but we'll make up another little tip. I've got a, a couple that I can sort of dig out. Um, and then any questions that uh, anyone has, um, if they're attending live, they can throw a question at us uh, where we will give a response completely free of charge. Uh, you don't get this anywhere else, I would say, um, to QuickBooks experts providing their services for free. Um, you can't get better value than that. It sounds uh, so, like <laughs> so, brilliant. Uh, uh, what's the news then, Aaron? Yeah, this is a bit of a big one here. So let's let's move over and let's show the screen. Okay, Ash, this one could be a little bit decisive in terms of uh, people liking this feature and not liking this feature, but it's here and it seems to be here to stay. So first and foremost, in front of me is a copy of um, QuickBooks itself. Now, it's nothing special about this particular file. One thing to note about it, though, if I just go up into the, into the admin section at the top, company cog, accounts and settings, and you'll notice that when I come to company type, we have sole proprietor, which is basically your sole trader. And if you've not seen this before, basically you can drop down here and choose what type of organization you is you have. Now, for this particular one, we have a sole trader selected. And on select sole trader accounts, and it seems to be around about 20% uh, of the accounts at the moment. So if you've got a sole trader account, just have a look and see if this is here. But you will notice that there is a element down the bottom here under taxes called self-assessment. So if I click into the self-assessment section, just like on QuickBooks self-employed, on QuickBooks, and bear in mind, this is the full version of QuickBooks now. So this is QuickBooks Online. So that's for Simple Start, Essentials, and Plus. 
it seems that we have now the option to do a self-assessment directly in the product. Now, as it stands at the moment, the way that it's been set up is we only have an option to view an estimate, but we are very much informed and we can see from the way, if you look at all the literature that's been released with it, that there'll be an opportunity to file your tax return directly in QuickBooks later down the line. So before we get looking to any further, Ash, what, what's your thoughts so far? Are you kind of fuming? Are you excited? What's How, how are you standing? Um, I'm really excited about this, Aaron. I can't lie. I mean, I love it. Um, I can see some accountants might think, oh, you know, and I can sort of uh, appreciate that because, you know, some clients might, you know, jump on this and start digging away, thinking, oh, my tax estimate is this without having a proper review first. Um, but at the moment, I think it is... Uh, a fantastic addition and I think we were only talking about Simple Start versus QuickBooks Self-Employed almost a month ago um, where I was saying I wish that you know that tax you know submission feature was available in QuickBooks Online and it's almost like my you know my you know my wishes have come true if you like so great fantastic show me more that's what I say yeah, definitely. I mean, it is uh, <clears throat> for, for clients, it's a huge thing. It's absolutely brilliant for them. One of the worst things you can have is coming up to a year end and not knowing what your tax bill is going to be. And, you know, if anything, like a lot of my clients burying their head in the sand and not knowing until the last moment what their tax bill, at least with something like this, where you've got that estimate being created for you, you know, if you can keep that money to one side, you're going to be in a really good position in terms of being able to afford that tax bill at the end. Um, so just a few clarifications to how to get this to work, though. Notice that you need to make sure you've got a bank account of some sort connected. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to physically connect the bank using the um, auto enrollment and, and uh, uh, open banking solution and be able to actually physically connect it. I was just I've just updated this via a CSV file. So I've uploaded the bank information manually and it seems to have worked so just of a if you do have a file that has this you need to make sure you've got a bank account at least connected or at least working for it to work so what happens is as you press this view estimate button to begin with as soon as we press the view estimate it does give you this bit of a disclaimer so basically it's telling you that it's designed for sole traders who use accrual accounting. And what that basically means is if you're not just relying on the money going in and out of your bank account, but actually you're thinking and considering using it for um, invoices that may not have been paid or bills that you haven't paid yet. So it's going to take into account anything that's in a particular tax year that's not actually been paid. Um, need to submit a self-assessment return for 6th of April 19 to the 5th of April 2020. So I've got a bit of humble pie. Me and Asher, when we first heard about this, I was adamant that this was going to be for the 2020 to 2021 um, uh, um, estimate. But actually, no, it is looking at the tax return that people are going to have to file by the 31st of January 2000 and 21 so the next basically the tax return period filing period we're in now that can be filed at any point now so it is looking back at last tax year effectively the one that's been enclosed it's not just starting to build up for the current tax year if that makes any sense um don't have any disallowable expenses now the reason for that is because it doesn't give you an opportunity yet in quickbooks to state if a transaction is disallowable or not and they say you are VAT registered. Now, that's a bit of a curious one for us. We're not 100% sure why that would 
be a massive issue or massive difference. Um, but at the moment, that's what this kind of beta version, if you like, or the first iteration of the self-assessment tax return is based on. So once you've got and you're happy that that's done, and also disclosure on this particular file, I've not set VAT registration up whatsoever. So even if you're not VAT registered, you can still at least be able to access this element. You press the got it button. And from there, it gives you this new view. And this whole point of this new view is to give you an estimate of your tax at this point in time. So in the top left-hand corner, it's giving you an estimate of what your income tax will be based on the information that it's got in QuickBooks. It also gives you a date at which the information needs to be submitted and what tax year it's related to. We assume later down the line, you're gonna have an opportunity to move between these tax years so you can see multiple tax years and how you're doing. It's gonna bring in information. Now notice there is no opportunity here to interact with these numbers at this current state. So you can't go in, change the numbers around or go in and edit the numbers at, at, at any point. This is gonna bring the information directly from QuickBooks itself. So it's giving you your annual turnover. And I'll show you later where we got these figures from, but basically all, all this data, it's all, all estimate data, and we've just thrown this into this file. It's also going to bring in all the other elements you might have to consider as a business. So it's got your cost of sales, basically the same boxes that appear on a tax return. So you've got wages, and we've got rent, and we've got phone and telephone sort of things coming through as well. That gives us the amount of expenses. Now, curiously, they call it allowable business expense. So if you do have a disallowable expense, and the only way you're going to be able to achieve putting it on the software at the moment is to not post it against P&L. So things like depreciation and things like that, it's going to be weird, but we've just got to find a new way of being able to bring them in. Um, we've also got our business income, less our allowable business expense means that we have a net profit of £14,000. And with that £14,000, that's where the estimate is being created. So £325.94p of estimate. And then it also brings down the bottom here, your class two and class four. One thing that you have to bear in mind then when using this is you've got to add these two figures together to give you an indication of how much is due. What do you think to that, Ash? I think it's great. Um, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's, it really uh, should make everyone's life, you know, hopefully easier in the long run. Um, just, uh, I'll sort of go and, uh, back a step there. I've got, I'm slightly um, distracted, sorry, I think our, our guest might still be trying to uh, join us. So I was trying to uh, take a look at a message there. Um, yeah. With, I wonder that, you know, I'm still curious on the VAT. Did you try to set, uh, switch it on without switching on the VAT first, or would it just not play? No, I've not switched on this particular file. There's no VAT on whatsoever, um, know, which is why got... I'm really curious about that statement that you, it's designed for VAT registered companies. It doesn't oh, make right, cool. sense. Cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm a bit flummoxed on that one too. So yeah, <laughs> doesn't make so, sense at all. So yeah, so you didn't need to switch on VAT, and it still worked. No, again, the only things I've had to do on this is make sure a I had it set into my accounts and settings as a sole trader, and then b and again, we're not sure why this isn't a reason or there's a or why we've had to do this. But at the moment, we have to make sure that our our bank account at least got some transactions going through it if you don't have any bank accounts connected and again at this point all i've done is use a csv file 
then you just get zeros coming up, even if you have got other tr other transactions within QuickBooks. So it is what it is a weird one. It's one of those where um, I'm not I'm not 100 sure why you have to have the bank connected, but we've seen this before. So cash flow forecast, for example, you can't do anything. You can't put that into or you can't even look at the cash flow forecast unless you've got a bank account physically connected, not just as a, a bank statement. So I feel like the QuickBooks is almost protecting themselves, if you like. They want to get um, data in there that they can rely on. So it will only really start to interact if you've got that bank account connected. Yeah, it makes sense really that you um, that you you, know, you have got plenty of data in there. Um, strange, I guess that um, you don't have to connect. But then, I get, you know, with that uh, being said, it's unlikely, um, you know, unless you're trainers like us, that you would actually import a bank file unless you actually had a bank account. So, it, you know, it does you know, it does make sense as a group. You know, you're trying to get your bank information in there one form or another, either by connecting or at least you've got that bank uh, fee, uh, CSV uploaded. So there's plenty of data in there. So at the moment, um, with regards to how it's actually put the income and expenditure in the different sort of pots, how has it picked that up? So I mean, at the moment, it's all based on what category we've posted to. So if I jump into just looking at my trial balance or P&L, let's just do a P&L and do last year, you'll notice these are the same figures that it's bringing through. So there's your 25K of sales. Now, some of that is actually an, an invoice that I've created. So I just quickly create an invoice and it added that in as £20,000. And then the rest of them are directly from the bank. So it's interacting with both of them. It's bringing those transactions in for us. It's putting them in. But when it comes to expenses, you, you'll see that they've just taken them directly from the bank account. And it seems to be from the detailed element. So if you know from when you do your chart accounts and you get to choose what the detail type of it is, it seems to be coming from there. So depending on what detail type these fall in, so rent, against the rent and wages against payroll. It's just going to put that information against the, the relevant pots. That makes sense because um, a few years ago when we first started training, um, we used to get asked what's the difference between the detail and the ordinary type uh, within QuickBooks. And in the US, you know, they've been using QuickBooks for years and years, desktop and online, and they've been able to file their tax returns for years. Um, using Intuit software and I'm pretty sure their tax returns are all based upon that detail type so it does uh, make sense that the UK is going to follow whatever we've got in there because you're you know, we can't as users of QuickBooks add any more detailed types in there we are limited so it makes that job easier for the programmer to make sure that detail type has got a weak call that box on the tax return job done exactly right exactly right and and i think it's it's also you know it, a it gives us a reason why detail type is there and i think also for us it just means that as an accountant that's kind of another kind of almost role for us if you like in terms of making sure the detail types came to the right one and things like that so you know unless you're you know understanding how the tax return works it's just something you might want to just consult with someone just to make sure those detail types are right going forward because like like you said we we tend to 
um, when we were teaching or when we do teach chart the gaps, we tend to kind of explain to people not to worry too much about detailed type. But actually now it seems like it could be something that could be important going forward. No, you're quite right, Aaron. Yeah, it is something that we haven't had to worry about. And in fact, you know, I've spoken to other accountants in the past um, that you know, when it comes to the detail type, the, the comment I had once was, oh, well, I'll just ignore the detail type. I don't even bother looking <laughs> at it. And I thought, well, I mean, I've always tried to get it fairly level, only yeah. because just just the way I am and how I sort of thought about it years ago. But, yeah, now it, I think especially, you know, it's going to be more and more important to get that tax return, you know, just as you want it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, brilliant. I think um, I think the guest has arrived actually. So shall we bring him? Shall we bring him in? Um, and is there anything else you want to talk about the, the self assessment or? Uh, no, I think. Um, so watch the space, isn't it? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, watch the space on this one. We're going to keep an eye on it. So if there is any kind of any developments and and if it does anything else or we find anything more, then definitely. And we'll 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 make sure we bring it up on a future episode as well so we can see if there's anything extra that's come through and going from there so let's um let's bring on now a guest so that he's not just sat there in the in the wings um justin how you guys doing how's it going oh hi justin justin how are you doing Ash? Hi, Aaron. yeah how you doing? excellent oh you throw me just enough that i had it down as jonathan away <laughs> Uh, I don't know why. No, no, I came in, Jonathan. Yeah, he wasn't uh, wasn't available for this one, so I came uh, in. Okay, well, thanks, Justin. Thanks very much for joining us. So, um, Justin, before we uh, talk about a uh, accountant's accelerator, um, it tells us a little bit about your stuff, and Justin, what's your background? Uh, so I'm actually from a finance background, so I actually spent a couple of years at Grant Thornton, uh, spent six months at uh, Friedman LLP in New York. So straight finance, uh, um, I studied the CA, a chartered accountant degree. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I experienced a lot of frustrations in the finance industry and I wanted to, to kind of make a change and, and just kind of like create a different way of think of accountants, like a different way of thinking about business. That's, that's essentially what, what I've done. Cool. And uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks, Justin. Okay, cool. I mean, I could just talk it, talk you guys through it. I mean, Basically, fundamentally, like what I found in, in doing my articles and uh, working in finance for so long is that, you know, I found that that accountants kind of, they don't have a lot of choice when it comes to the people they work with. So they end up getting poor quality clients. They end up kind of working these crazy, ridiculous hours and not really appreciated. And, you know, sometimes you land up with clients that are just not good quality, not all the time, but some of the times, you know, they have clients who take advantage, their books are a mess and all that sort of thing. So we're not like... Well, during my articles, I looked at a lot of different ways of kind of making that more and more efficient. And I just couldn't, we just, I just didn't have the tech to kind of make that happen. So then when I was in New York, I realized they were using like a lot of different tools to acquire new clients. So like they wouldn't go about the approach of making the existing clients better. They would just say, if this, if these clients aren't good, we're just going to get rid of them and find new clients. So when I started doing some digging, I kind of found that they were 
really making use of a lot of tech and social media and different kinds of CRMs, uh, different strategies actually to, to get new clients. So what I did is I partnered with a friend of mine who had been in marketing for like, I think like six to eight years. And he was kind of doing a whole bunch of different industries. And I said to him like, look, there's a real gap here for accountants. They really, really struggle with sales and marketing. Why don't we just focus on that and really try to come up with a good solution? So we worked with a, a bunch of different accountants in different countries, actually, different industries. And, and we've kind of come up with like a very like pretty solid solution now, now for them. And uh, yeah, so what we basically do for them is we set up uh, prospecting engines through automation. And uh, there's different kinds of strategies we use. A lot of it is LinkedIn automation. So it'll go about automatically messaging specific people in a specific niche. And of those people that you reach out to on an average monthly basis, between 12 and 20 would respond with, yes, let's have a conversation. And we give them sales training and show them how to, to close, the, close the lead. Uh, in terms of software, what we use is we just use a CRM and we like pretty much have our own kind of CRM software that sends automated texts and, and messages and emails to the lead that gives, us a bit, gives them a little bit more information about you know, who we are, what we do, and, and all that sort of thing, like especially for, for accountants, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that sounds great. I mean, I can I mean, I'm sort of pretty much out of the sort of accounting zone uh, myself, uh, but I know from experience when I sort of was sort of running my own bookkeeper practice just on my own, I definitely had a few clients that I didn't really want. Um, and after time, actually, because, you know, I was getting heavily involved in sort of the QuickBooks training, those clients I didn't want, they I sort of did let them go. Uh, yeah. After a while, so um, so yeah, I I, I I've been there uh, for yeah. sure, and it is difficult to to let that let clients go um, unless you've got something else to come in because otherwise you yeah you you you're stuck doing jobs that you don't really want to do. And exactly you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're in such a weak position. I think that's fundamentally the problem is you're in such a position of weakness because your only way of getting new clients is a word of mouth referral. And if guys, if, if like, if your network is kind of disintegrating or closing up businesses or people aren't always so comfortable with referring, you're in such a weakened position. And another thing that we found is that when accountants refer people and it's a word of mouth referral, they can't increase their prices. So if you're charging one guy 300 pounds a month, you can't all of a say, give me a referral and charge a referral 600 pounds. You have to charge him the same price. And also you can't you can't reach different. I mean, it's a digital world now. I mean, we're working with clients in the UK. We've got clients in America and we want our accountants to take on the same thing. So we've got a Canadian who's servicing Americans and we've got a, uh, you know, and that's fundamentally what we want. We want to have virtual, virtual CFOs, virtual bookkeepers. We don't really want people kind of going in and uh, and having those, you know, like that's just the old way of doing business. So that's basically basically what we fundamentally trying to do excellent. and yeah. it's a good time for it as well isn't it with all the oh, technology yeah. we've, we've been talking about with quickbooks and zero and all of the kind of cloud-based ones having that virtual assistance has never been easier for for clients has it exactly and, and also not only that like zoom meetings i think people are becoming more and more comfortable with kind of like meeting with people over zoom and and actually signing on i mean we've had a lot of our clients have signed on people over Zoom calls. We've signed on people over Zoom calls. And I think that's something that, you know, we've had to kind of break because it's kind of, there's some belief systems we had to break with accountants, you know, like the biggest one for me, and I had this breakthrough, which is why I want to give it to other accountants is for me, you know, 
Uh, as an accountant, I always saw marketing as that's like a PL, it's a profit and loss line item, it's an expense. Keep keep it as low as possible. If if you cannot spend on it, don't spend on it. And and focus on your balance sheet, focus on your revenues. The bottom line is that if you get marketing right, it can be a bigger, a bigger income generating asset than anything on your balance sheet. There's nothing that that there's no, there's nothing no asset you can invest in that's going to bring you a return quite like good marketing. Not just any marketing, good marketing. And and kind of I had that realization and I want that for other accountants because I think it's uh it's a, it's just a good it's a different way of looking through business. You can't just look through business in in lines of like cash flow and budgeting and and uh yeah, I mean it's uh I mean I have accountants, even guys that I worked with at Grant Thornton that have, that phoned me and asked me for advice and 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 they want and they they're just not willing to lay out like anything on, on marketing. I'm like I'm like <laughs> I can't help you, man. Like, like you have to spend money in this in this game. Like, otherwise, it's just and it and, it, and it's not because they they cheap. It's not, it's just because of eight years of being pumped with like, it keep your keep your costs low. Like, keep the P and L and all this sort of thing, which is like, it's very hard to grow a business. Like, you know, when when you see it that way, and it must be hard for clients as well because, as accountants, we're trying to be business advisors. We're trying to t- teach clients better ways. We're trying to explain to them that. You know, this is how you're going to improve your business. And if you as the accountants aren't doing that as well, and if you're not following the same advice that you're giving out, then you, you're kind of almost giving out the wrong advice, aren't you? So you've got to you've got to grit your teeth a little bit. You've got to cut cut yourself with the with the big boys, if you like, and you've got to kind of go through them sort of pain points as well, haven't you? Definitely, you've got to get like a different way, a different perspective. Like I think it's always good having multiple perspective on on business. You know, there's so many aspects to to a business. There's, I mean, and I'm learning that. I mean, from from running this business, I've learned that you know you, there's different angles. There's the legal aspect, there's the financial aspect, there's the marketing, there's the sales, and it's like if you can just kind of open up these different avenues to seeing a business, it just it makes you so, so, just a way better entrepreneur and more rounded. Like that's fundamentally what what I found in this uh, space. I think I mean you're definitely um, right, Justin. Because I mean I you know as of now I'm not really a, do so much accounting work. I've got my you know, my app to to try and market, and even as a small, very small company, you know, I've had to spend a fair bit of money on you know marketing and you know, putting you know whether it's Google ads, whether it's Facebook ads, whether it's you know putting an ad with an editorial on a uh, uh, sort of a US sort of you know magazine, internet magazine. I'm having to you know to spend money, um, and an accountancy firm, you know. Should definitely think sometimes think about having to do the same, uh, and I know uh, because uh, from someone that has to try to market to accountants, I know that accountants don't like spending money. They absolutely hate spending money. I'm an accountant. <laughs> I don't like spending money, um, yeah. but the, but at the end of the day, if you if you want to, you know. Um, you know, gain business if you want to become more efficient on doing certain things. Sometimes you have to spend a little bit of money, whether it's investing money in software, investing time on doing things. There are investments to be made before you can reap the rewards, first of all. Um, I mean, I, I spotted on a Facebook post, it must have been uh, a month, a couple, maybe a couple of months ago, after, you know, Intuit had published their, you know, their sort of annual figures. And the amount of money they spend on uh, marketing and PR is absolutely off the planet. I can't remember. It was, 
um, it was in the it was a you know a, a billion plus you know yeah um, you know they're right up you know their marketing spend is like the highest thing that they spend and yeah I've seen, I've seen some mind-blowing things because I've pitched so many accountants in the UK and in the US and the ones that are really crashing are spending astronomical amounts. Like I'm talking like I've spoken to people that were spending $20,000 $20, a month, US dollars on, on marketing and I was just like, but their revenues are like through the roof. They're just, they, and they're eating up all the market share and like, yeah, and then, and then you know, you get on the call with someone and you tell them that, that some of the software cost is 100 pounds a month and they're like, no, 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 I can't, I can't afford to take on a risk like that. So it's like they can't compete. That's the problem is that they – and I think, I think fundamentally what, what I've definitely learned as well is that, is that um, a, lot of the, a lot of the people that are starting their own accounting practices and stuff, they're actually just general accountants. So they're not actually entrepreneurs. They're more just accountants and they don't realize when you make that shift. So if you go from, you know, you're an accountant, you're a financial manager – and you're working in someone's business and then you go out on your own or you're an auditor, you're in an audit and you go out on your own, you're no longer an accountant. You can't uh, run your business like that. You need to, you're now an entrepreneur. So it's now about like, okay, I've got to do things slightly differently because I think that works. It works quite, if you're just an accountant in a business, that's your job. Your job there is to go in, is to control the expenditure, make sure there's cash flow, handle, you know, make sure that you've got enough cash flow to pay salaries, make the business run. That's your role. When you move out and you buy yourself and you, and you started your own practice, you're now an entrepreneur. So your role isn't like, let's keep it. It's now like, how do I grow the business? How do I market? How do I reach different? How do I make things better? It's not your, it's not your primary. So I think that's fundamentally um, what, uh, what I found a lot of. And, and uh, yeah, it's really, but I, I've really met some, I mean, geez, I've met, I mean, even in the UK, I've, I've met, I got on call with a woman. I couldn't believe how on the ball she was and yeah she was she, like uh, i can't remember what the firm was but she she was incredible i was actually it was very intimidating talking to her she was like so <laughs> on the ball like like so on the ball she had such good uh, marketing systems and sales systems in in place i mean she had i think she had four salesmen she had like eight different strategies where she was getting leads from like when i told her i could generate her like 12 to 20 leads and she was like what's 12 to 20 leads she's like no i'm looking i need to get hundreds of leads a month and like yeah I, it, it is, it's really blown like being in the marketing space has has really uh, opened up my mind a lot to to what goes on it's been it's been a great uh, been a great learning curve cool excellent so i mean so um from you know other accountants, bookkeepers that um, you know, that are trying to start off. So how do they sort of get involved with um, with the um, accounts uh, accelerator? So how does that? You know, how do they sort of come to to you uh, for help and advice? So, so what we do is, so we've got multiple methods of, of how we go about client acquisition. So we use organic Facebook, we use Facebook ads, and we use cold email. And then when the clients come in and they say, you know, like, I need your help, we take them through pretty much a three-month program where we help them pick a niche. So we help them, like, pick a specific niche. Uh, why is it important to pick a niche? Is because you want to differentiate yourself from other accountants. So if you... If you've got uh, the problem with accounts, they're all saying the same things. So they're all saying, I do tax, I do payroll, and I could help anyone. So, what happens is that clients go into the marketplace and they're just like, okay, well, they're all saying the same thing. Let me find the cheapest one and go with that. So, what you want to try to do in the beginning is, is pick a niche. So, say, okay, I'm going to service the construction industry and aim all your marketing towards that. So, then you, you, you're basically marketing yourself as a specialist accountant in the construction industry. 
So now why is this important? Is that when you reach out to someone in the construction industry, they say, okay, this guy's an accountant for the construction industry. He probably knows my industry. He knows my pain points. And you actually will get better and better at servicing that industry. So you will really know and understand their pains and you'll be a lot better at servicing them. Because if you're doing a whole bunch of different industries, you're not really a specialist, you're a generalist. It's the same reason why a GP gets paid 500 pounds a, a consultation and a specialist gets paid a couple thousand. He know he's a specialist. He specializes in something. So if, as an accountant, if you could specialize in a certain industry, which is what we're getting our clients to do, then you could start charging more and you'll really become an expert and you'll do the work a lot quicker. So that's the first thing we do is that we is basically we help them pick a niche. Then we set up prospecting systems. So we use their LinkedIn to uh, prospect to different uh, people in their niche in their area. And that uses all automation. And then we help them with sales training. And then we pretty much help them use the CRM. I could show you the CRM software if you guys are interested. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Because okay. I know in accountancy, the CRM solution is normally something that's kind of not thought about properly. I know we we as an accounting firm, we, we went with the first CRM solution we found and didn't really um, understand any kind of difference of what else is on the market. But... Yeah, hmm. a decent CRM solution can be huge. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty. Can you guys see the screen yet? Yes, yeah, it's great. Okay, so you see the CRM. Okay, cool. So this is pretty much, I mean, this is an example of one of our clients. So he pretty much, I mean, he went from, I mean, he's made, as you can see, as the dashboard, he's done about $11,000 in, in sales. And this is just the dashboard. So you can kind of see the different leads that have come in, the meetings scheduled, the partners, the partner he's doing a more of like a referral program so what we've got here is you've got an opportunities and then the lead comes in and what happens is when the lead comes this guy's doing really good stuff he's doing really well you could see he's running different uh methods for getting leads and he's using linkedin he's using facebook ads he's using a bunch of different things so what happens is the lead comes in he puts the lead in here and it shoots out a bunch of automated texts and emails to the person this is an example this guy will get an automated text saying hi mike thanks for showing interest we'll be in touch with you shortly then what they'll do is they'll set up a meeting. And as soon as they set up a meeting, they just go ahead and drag this guy into meeting scheduled. Then once he goes into meeting scheduled, it, it initiates another campaign that sends out a different kind of string of, uh, of emails and automated emails just to say, hi, Mark, you know, thanks for booking the, the appointment. We're going to be speaking to you in the next week or so. And, uh, and, then, and then they go further and further along the pipeline until they become successful. And then once they're successful referral partner, you can kind of move them in there and initiates a new campaign and uh yeah so that is basically the main part of it there's also uh these are just the different campaigns you can build out different campaigns so you know you can change up uh what kind of uh what kind of wording you want to use and and how you want to do it and that's basically that's the crux of it um you can also build websites on here different funnels uh so i mean yeah this is what we do for for our clients as you can see here you've got uh when someone unsubscribes there's an unsubscribe page so that way i could see that so from that first um uh, sort of page on that crm when you were looking through that uh calendar and bits were coming through so is there the quite the tight integrations then with uh linkedin and facebook do you think is there, do you sort of uh, link them all together? Um, so this this one we integrate with, uh, you can integrate it with Stripe and you can integrate it with uh, 
we integrated with, we more use like Zapier. So we use a Google sheet and, yeah. and you'd put the name and number and stuff onto Zapier and then Zapier would zap it into this uh, opportunities mm -hmm. tab over here and uh, basically in, 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 in initiate the campaign and the different campaigns would start running. Oh, cool. So if you've got a Zapier integration, you can pretty much connect with loads of other things. So there's nothing, I guess, to stop um, you connecting sort of two QuickBooks or zero uh, if you wanted to by having this, uh, a Zap coming into into accountants, uh, client accelerator. And then maybe once that client is onboarded to actually be zapped into something else where they become a, a fully fledged client to invoicing or billing would it work like that way uh no so we, we kind of keep this separate to like the quickbooks and that sort of thing this is more i mean the, the the clients our clients would basically just use the same like go about things the same way and this is just an added software they would use so we'd give them this would give them access to this platform yeah. and a google sheet and they would literally run this thing completely separately so they would have anytime a lead comes in from from linkedin they would add it they would add the name to the google sheet the Google Sheet would zap it into into this uh, CRM, and the CRM would basically initiate the campaign. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I could show you. You could see you could add a whole bunch of clients. We've added a whole bunch of different clients onto here, so they're all they're all kind of using it, and uh, yeah, and they're all making good use of it. We've got our main kind of. Uh, this is our. I mean, we use it as well, of course. I mean, it's our CRM, so we use it as well. We've just got. Um, yeah, we've got our whole bunch of opportunities. We've, you can put different countries in with different pipelines. We've got North America, we've got the UK, and we've got just different, uh, and each kind of bucket initiates a different um, kind of messaging sequence. Like if someone misses their meeting, we put them up into a demo no-show, so example like that. And then all that does initiates a new campaign that would say, hey, uh, you know, you missed your meeting. If you'd like to reschedule, click the link below. Um, and the reason for all this stuff is that, you know, we're working in a digital age now and it's kind of, uh, you know, you need to know how to kind of build trust and build rapport over the internet. And a good, a great way of doing that is through uh, campaigns, like email campaigns. It gives, it gives people an opportunity to kind of click on your links, click on your social media, click through your websites, and it just gives them an opportunity to get to know you uh, online, which is very, very powerful. Definitely. And so how many... Uh, so how many sort of users? I mean, is there like is it multi-user? Is it one sort of um, user? How does that how would that sort of work? So if you're in a large firm, would you have each user has their own login? Or they come in there, or is it? Yeah, so you can add multiple users if you've got yeah. like. I mean, we we predominantly work with much smaller firms, so yeah. so we'd have like three to five people. Like we don't work with big corporates or anything, but yeah. I mean, we sometimes have four or five people on. Have got their own logins and their own stuff, and uh, and yeah, that's that's effectively how that would work. And is there different levels of access for those users? So would yet one user be like the super user that can do everything, and then there'd be another user that can maybe see certain things, but they can't make any changes and that, all that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, there's different users and different people can do different things because obviously you want different levels of security around certain things. So so yeah, that's pretty much uh, what that's what this is. And yeah, that's basically our main software in terms of what we use for our clients, in terms of a CRM. What's also great about it is you can also actually, uh, one other thing I'll just show you guys. Uh, let me just check here. Uh, so what can happen, what you can also do is you can make, when you make calls, so as an example, if you wanna call this guy, uh, you can call him 
over there and it records the call. So all the conversations will come up, uh, will be recorded and they all come up. So if you've spoken to someone a few times, so as an example, we could look at someone like this. We've probably had a few conversations with them. So you could literally track back and, okay, that's not a great example because I haven't had a chat with that person. Um, but I mean, you can literally go in and, and listen to old conversations you had. So it records the phone calls. So if you had a call with them, you know, sometimes you speak to people and you actually forget what's, what was discussed. So you can go back in and listen to recorded calls on the software, which is pretty useful. Yeah, it's very handy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and that's pretty much the main software that we use. Yeah, and the other stuff we use is like an automation software, which is just sends out automated emails. I mean, automated uh, prospecting on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the basis for for like our, in terms of tech and software. That's basically our uh, our whole uh, thing. Yeah, it looks awesome. And from the marketing point of view, then, do you kind of part of your consultancy is that about giving them ideas of what to market? Because I know especially for us as a county firm, we've always struggled in terms of what content to put out there and when and what platforms and all that sort of minefield that there is. So is that what your consultancy is all about then? Is that is that where you can kind of add, add value to people? Correct. So, so on the consulting basis, we kind of, we, get, we tell them, you know, what to put out on certain platforms and how you would go about doing certain things on certain platforms. So how to get more followers on Facebook, how to post your, your followers on Facebook, how to run Facebook ads, how to use cold email. Because um, there's, there's so many different strategies to go about, you know, getting prospects in. I mean, we ourselves, we use, and they're all equally good. Like I really, Facebook is probably the best because it's inbound. So if you're running Facebook ads, it's inbound. So people are asking, inquiring to speak to you. Whereas if you do a cold email or LinkedIn, it's all outbound. So it's all you reaching out to people to say, hey, would you like to have a conversation? Facebook ads is definitely the strongest uh, in terms of the strongest lead, but they all, I mean, they all work. We've gotten clients from email. Uh, we've gotten clients from uh, Facebook organic, Facebook ads, LinkedIn organic. So they all work. It's more about, you know, the message and your niche and understanding their pains and problems. Which cool. we and then, have you got anyone on TikTok yet? Is anyone <laughs> owning that, uh, <laughs> that social media platform? I don't know. I don't. I don't know many sixteen-year-olds uh, who are looking for accountants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe <laughs> one day. One day. Definitely. I probably have something. I'm probably making quite a lot of money on TikTok. So I suppose maybe you probably can find yeah, some. Yeah. Some kid. <laughs> I'm sure there's probably one or two. All right. Well, thanks for that, Justin. So, uh, where do people go then to to learn more and then to reach out to you? So, what's the, the best way to sort of get in touch? So you can just go to uh, www.accountingclientsaccelerator.com. So you can check us out there. Uh, if you want a free training, like we're basically giving away a free training. Whoever is listening to this podcast, uh, you just go www.accountingclientsaccelerator.com forward slash CPA. And that'll basically give you a free training. And the training is going to show you basically how to get clients using LinkedIn. And that's basically what that entails. Excellent. Um, awesome. So, I mean, thanks. Have you got any more questions for Justin there? And I think we're. No, I think it was brilliant. It's definitely something we'll be uh, considering at Boffix. So, so, I think that's exactly what, what we need. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, thanks very much for joining us, uh, Justin. Take care and we'll uh, catch up with you soon. Great, guys. Cheers, eh? Cheers, Justin. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye now. 
Well, that was great, Aaron. I mean, I, um, I mean I'm sort of out of the accounting uh, area uh, in that respect, but I can sort of definitely see the uh, benefits on that. Yeah, it's it's one of those worlds where we've um, we've learned the hardware hard way basically in terms of what not to do and what to do and everything else, and we, we're still learning every every week in terms of marketing and how to do it and everything else. But yeah, having someone who knows what they're doing and can guide you in the right direction is going to be huge because if you get if you get your marketing wrong, <laughs> it can be a very costly mistake. Put it that way. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. Um, You've got the really? t-shirt as well, haven't you, Ash? <laughs> I've, I've been there. Um, so um, I think we've got time for uh, a little tip of the week. I believe we have, we have our um, new feature. Me... I can't. Be, I can't believe I haven't created an intro for it. I'm a little bit uh, yeah, disappointed. Let me just um, just before I share my screen, I'll just get, I'll get myself logged back in because um, uh, it's been inactive for a few minutes. Stick a little banner. But it it was good though, wasn't it? I mean, having that opportunity to bring an expert on who can explain to us exactly um how how it is, because yeah, like like everybody said, having that opportunity or or making the making the wrong decisions is uh is not good for accountants, is it? No, I mean, it's something myself and my sort of business partner have been talking about for some time. I mean, um, yeah, I'm basically the marketing person for my company as well as lots of other things. Um, I'm, I'm trying to reach out to different uh, companies, different, you know, whether it's getting on some, somebody else's webinar podcast or um uh, or whether it is doing a Facebook ad or anything like that, I've I've tried lots of different things, and and it's and it is you know sometimes you do really need an expert um, that knows the best thing, um, and those experts, yeah, you you sometimes do have to have to invest a bit of money. Uh, yes, right. unfortunately, um, uh, but but we know why because we see how complicated it is. I mean, I, I was just uh, the other day having to go through trying to figure out Instagram versus LinkedIn versus Twitter versus <laughs> versus Facebook. And it's, it is a minefield, isn't it? So yeah, it is something worthwhile getting those uh, getting those right people on board. Uh, all right, I'll just share my screen. This is a very uh, short uh, tip, but it uh, could be handy. So let me just click on share screen. Sure, the right one up. There we go. Wonderful. Okay, so um, I've been looking at projects uh, a little bit recently in uh, the construction industry. And now, if you do use projects, so anyone that might be um, listening, watching, um, if you do use projects in QuickBooks Online, just open up a project. Then, when you um, go to just towards the top right-hand corner of your screen, when you're in projects, you have this little option that's called hourly cost rate. And what that will actually allow you to do is that if you have any employees, you can add them and you can put in what they generally cost you. And it doesn't have to be what you pay them by the hour. It could be what that employee actually costs you uh, through 
salary if you average it out plus then maybe their national insurance if you pay them a pension so you could work out generally what that employee costs you per hour so it could be an employee that is on your payroll so if you are using quickbooks standard payroll it will actually sort of it will link across now it won't actually fire across um, so if you record time it won't put that time into the payroll um, but these names are sort of linked to your quickbooks payroll but I could add another employee, let's just call him John, um, that actually isn't on my payroll at all. So if you're not using QuickBooks payroll, whether it's standard or advanced, you can just add, add the names in here. So there could be anybody. And then for that person, uh, you can add, you know, what does it cost you an hour on average? So I could add in a cost rate and that person actually cost me, let's say 30 pounds an hour. I can save that. But all I could do then is that if I have someone that's working for me as an employee, um, I could ask them or I could send them a user invitation as a timesheet only user. So the only thing that they can do in QuickBooks is actually record time. So if I were to put in some time, so let me go into employees, you know, see weekly timesheet. And enter some time in here for John. I've got John, and he cost me thirty pounds. So the in sort of grayed out there, thirty pounds an hour. Uh, and I'll put that he's working on Twelve High Street, and generally he's worked every day. Over a week, I've got in there on that time, eighty-eight hours. <laughs> 88 hours. That's that's going some. So I'll just save that time. So you can mark time as billable time if you wish to, but you don't have to. You can just record the time against the job. And then when you are looking at your projects, so if I actually just click on that project that I recorded the time against for High Street, then I'll immediately see that against that project, I've got the time cost for that employee, John, that's been working on that project, 1,200 pounds. So although I'm not actually recording uh, an expenditure like uh, subcontractor payment, or even the wages and salaries, because they may be entered through payroll and journals created, which aren't directly linked to the project, you know, a payroll journal isn't, but if someone's recording their time and we know roughly what that person costs us, then you know that's been effect that's affecting that project. And if they were using a different payroll software, but they wanted to take the information from you know QuickBooks as how much time has been spent on a particular job, then what you can do if I just go to the search box at the top and just type in the word time, I've got time activities by customer or by employee. So if I type time activities by employee, I could run a report over a specific date range. So it could be over a particular week. Um, if I look at all dates here. So all of the work that's been done by sort of John over that particular week, I can see there's 40 hours there. So over that week, 
I can say, ah, okay, these are owed 40 hours money. Then I can just pull those reports directly uh, from QuickBooks. So just something to, a little extra tip there to bear in mind if you're not using the payroll uh, in QuickBooks, but you still want to record those employees' times against your projects. So something there just to bear in mind. That's brilliant, that isn't it? It's one of those features that never gets used, is it? The um, employee uh, time tracking element of it. It's one of those things that always can, kind of seems to get forgotten um, that the ability is there. But as, as you said, you've got the opportunity to, if you need to, to be able to just have a um, an invite only to um, the timesheet. So you can actually start dishing them out to the people who are working on them and they can record it for you and, and go from there, can't they? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a great feature, you know, and I um, I used to use it a lot when I uh, had my own sort of practice and I was recording, you know, the work that I was doing for people. If I, were, if I was charging by the hour, I mean, I did sort of move away from that because we're all in value pricing or fixed pricing pretty much these days. But even after I went away from that, sometimes, you know, it can be useful just to record the time just so you can see, you know, how much time am I spending on that client? You know, I'm, I've got a fixed fee in there for X amount a month, but I'm recording this time just so I can see how much time am I actually spending, you know, because quite often, and I'm sure you've done this, Aaron, um, you fix the price and then six months down the line, you think, actually, you know, I'm not really earning anything from this client, but, you know, I, I could work at the local supermarket and earn the same money. <laughs> um, uh, I definitely uh, have undercharged uh, before, um, definitely. So uh, yeah. it's just something to bear in mind. It um, is. And that's where Projects really comes into its own, isn't it, where you've got that opportunity just to keep an eye on things. And especially in the construction, like you've got an example here for the construction industry clients, it's, it's invaluable, isn't it, for them to be able to see how a project's doing, if it's still profitable for them, them sort of things. Absolutely. All right, Aaron. And I think that sort of brings us uh, towards the end of uh, today's uh, session. Certainly does. And uh, I think we'll have to make sure we bring back a tip of the week every week now. I think that could be a new popular segment of the show. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one little tip, uh, Every week, I'm sure we between us we can think of uh, at least one thing. I'll have to start jotting some down and uh, pluck some something out from uh, uh, the tools we've used before. So our next uh, podcast, vlogcast, webinar, uh, however you'd like to call it, is um, um, won't be on a Tuesday this time because I am otherwise engaged, so I won't be able to do the Tuesday. So we'll be moving it to. Friday the 30th of October, so nearly Halloween, in fact. So Friday the 30th, same time at four o'clock. Looking forward to it. Brilliant. And with that then, I think that's a, a goodbye from me. Uh, and a goodbye from, from me. Uh, take care, everybody. We'll see you in two and a half weeks. Looking forward to it. See you all then. Bye for now. Bye.